there's only one thing that matters. It, it doesn't matter what you do with lockdown bars. It doesn't matter what you do with the back box. It doesn't matter what you do with the clear coat. It doesn't matter what you do with automatic leveling of the game. It doesn't matter what you do with replacing this and replacing that. None of it matters in pinball. None of it matters. There's only really two things that matter in pinball. Can you can you create a game people want and can you make it? That's it. That's all pinball is. Can you create a game that I want to buy and then can you make it for me? And those two questions are all that matter. They're, if you are going to start a pinball company, that is the number one and number two thing that should be on your whiteboard in the conference room. What do people want and how do we make it? And, you know, I want to talk about Deep Root Pinball and I want us to remember those two questions because they have definitely, they have definitely started to innovate and do new things in pinball. But are those two principal questions, are they answering those two things? Have we made a game people want and do we know how to make it for them? And we're going to talk about if, if they're coming up short there and what they showed the world today with this This Week in Pinball article. Now, I want to just say this. I want to just say this. I know this isn't what their plan was. This is not what they had in mind. They did not expect this to go this way. They did not expect the hiccups they had over the weekend. They did not expect to have to cancel or postpone the, the launch reveal of Raza on 921. The people who went down there did not expect this to happen. They did not expect to sign NDAs and then encounter this. They did not expect to go from, you know, pretty much fanboys who were super excited to share with the world and see this game. And, and really, they thought they were going to come out of it with like a treasure trove of content in which they were basically going to help him to launch and amplify the excitement around Retro Atomic Zombie Adventureland. That's what they signed up for. They didn't go down there to be beta testers. They didn't go down there to have to give them feedback in real time that it wasn't ready. And, and look, it's really hard for the company to hear that feedback. It was really hard for these individuals to give it. And hopefully now, I mean, look, I, I do think that this week in pinball story, I actually think they should have just put that up on Monday. No one knew what we were going to get. Nobody knew what we were going to get at all. And I think if they had just released a version of what we saw today, they would have been fine. Like, look, here's the reveal of what we're working on. Here's the reveal. Now, look, obviously, obviously, all of you are thinking the same thing right now. I can't believe it's not done. Like, at some point, at some point, you have to just say, how much time does it take for John Papa Duke to finish a game. How much time? Can he finish a game within one decade? People forget that, that Raza, I get it's not Deep Root, but Raza has been in development, in development now for almost 10 years. And so the part that I don't get and, and, and the part that still like just sort of hangs over me like a big question mark is these six pinball ambassadors went down there this past weekend to see Retro Atomic Zombie Adventureland. Let's just focus on the game because there's so much focus on all there's so much focus on all the technology and innovations around the game. We're going to talk about some of that. But let's just talk about the game. We love pinball. All you got to do is make a great game and you got to manufacture it. That's it. So let's talk about the game. The game was showed to people a year ago. 
one year ago in Houston, Retro Atomic Zombie Adventure Land was shown to the world, okay? A year ago. Now, I know we had COVID. I know we had a hiccup. But do not forget, do not forget that before COVID hit, and, and people do, this is so important. Before COVID hit, Deep Root Pinball had scheduled the launch of Raza for like March 25th of 2020. All right, March 25th, that was like seven months ago. They were scheduled to launch this game. So how can so much time have eclipsed since that date, since you had the game in Houston back in October, and it's still not done? Like it's not final. It's like, I don't understand that. And if I sound confused, I am. I was excited to see Raza in all of its glory. I was excited. You, I have text messages with Robert, uh, you know, going into the weekend saying, I really want a Raza. I, I, I do. And I heard stuff from people like from like six months ago who played it, eight months ago who played it, like, Chris, you're going to want a Raza. I've had him telling me you're going to want a Raza. You know, and so I went into this with an open mind like everybody else. And so when they march through that door and they see a game and stuff's not completed on it, and they had to tell them, like, you can't reveal this to the world. I just don't understand how nobody else over there stood over that machine. And I'm thinking of people like, how did Steve Bowden, right? Steve Bowden. I mean, he's working on this. It's his coded game. He's one of the greatest pinball players we know of. He's a great guy. How did he not stand over this game and say, we can't, we can't show this tomorrow or we can't show this in a week? How did they not look at the fact that like, the parts are not even in, right? They Like Jeff said this in his story today, some of the parts were not available that are going to be in the final production of the game. But where are they? How long does it take for these parts to be finished? Are these parts even found on planet Earth, right? And this is, I just, I start to think these crazy things like, why can't John finish a game? And I'm like, oh my God, did John do it again? Did John once again, did he once again grab someone with money who's excited about pinball and drag him down his rabbit hole of inability to finish and complete something in pinball. And I want to be wrong. You want to be wrong. We all want to be wrong. We just want a working game. That's all we want as pinball fans. We're not investors in Deep Root. You know, you Zidware guys, you're in a, a different place right now. Like you have no idea when you're getting your game. You have no idea like when that's going to happen. Are they not in breach of contract with you? Didn't you sign a contract that said your game would be delivered to you by this date? You missed that date. Then there was another date. Now there's another date. I heard end of September. It's not happening. Those poor gentlemen, as a community, we can't forget about them either. But why does it take so long? And here's the part that I just don't get. It's like, again, I just look at the game. Why? Like nothing looks like it should take that long, right? Like, is John just, like, what takes that long? It, it just really makes no sense to me. And so, as I was reading through all the TWIP stuff, you know, I just kept thinking, like, I, I want to know more about the game. Again, this is just, like, my my broad stroke take on all this. Is somewhere in all of this, right, the, the, the pin bar, which has neat stuff going on, the pin pod, the auto leveler, the this, the that, the menu system, the ability to maybe one day have a video conference with the customer service, like what video conference through a pinball machine? Like we have cell phones and you know, look, it, there's, we're going to go into some of this stuff, but somewhere I'm just like, but what about the game, right? What about the world under glass? That's all that matters. 
I have an iPad. I have an Xbox. I have an iPhone. I don't walk up to a pinball machine and say, I need this thing to deliver the experiences those other things deliver. The reason I love pinball, the reason you love pinball, the reason we all love pinball, which is like 0.0001% of planet Earth, the reason we love pinball is for its analog nature. It should always feel a little bit outdated because it is. This doesn't need to feel like something that just came out of 2020. In fact, all of us just want innovation on the play field, okay? So that's the thing. It's just like, when is this game going to be done? And then like, if Robert, I hope you're listening. I've been nothing but fair to Deep Root Pinball. And I'm going to say it right now. I will buy a Raza when it's done. Look, I'm saying this right now. Canada's Pinball Podcast, you have my money. If you can make Raza, I think the game, look, I'm going to go against some of you here. I still think this game is gorgeous. I do. I do. I think it looks really neat. And if everything they can do, they everything they say they're going to do is going to be in this limited edition version of the game, Canada is here to tell you right now, Robert, I will order game number one. I will order game number one. You have my money. I will buy one. I want one. My birthday is this Friday. I would love to like have one for my birthday. I know that's not going to happen, but that's all I'm saying, Robert, is nobody doesn't want this thing to be completed. So that's it. Like I'm going to buy one, make me one. I don't want to I don't want to know the story. I don't want to know the journey. I don't want to know the heartaches. I don't want to know any of it. I don't care. I don't care like how hard it was to make the Xbox. I I just I enjoy it. I don't care like what the engineers had to go through to make my Dodge Demon. I just want to go into the dealership and own it. And that's how I feel about pinball. I don't care what you've done the last three years. I don't care what you've done the last five years. I don't care where the money came from and I don't care where the money went. I don't care about any of that. I don't want to speculate on any of that. I just want a pinball machine. You have a pinball company and I want your game. What else do we have to talk about? Here's my money. When are you going to be able to take it from me? But I'm not going to give it to you until you prove you can manufacture this. And that was like the one big missing thing from everything today in the TWIP story. Did you see anything? I didn't even see any mention of manufacturing. It is, I mean, we just said this a few weeks ago or like a few shows ago. The most important thing in pinball is manufacturing. Gary Stern considers Stern Pinball to be a manufacturing company. If you can't manufacture this, then what are we doing here? We are simply prototyping sort of niceties and innovations that are cool if they work, right? Cool if they work. Someone kept saying this to me. A few guys were hitting me up on Facebook today and they were saying like they were looking at the deep root stuff and they kept using three words. Could be cool. Could be cool. All right. Could be cool is great. You know what else could be cool? A flying car. You know what else could be cool? A hoverboard. All that stuff could be cool. It could be cool to have a DeLorean that goes 88 miles an hour and, and, and time travels. Everything that could be cool, could be cool to have a, you know, a big uh, tractor trailer that transforms into Optimus Prime. Could be cool means nothing, no, unless you can make it real. And so all this stuff could be cool. I agree. It could be cool. But can you make it? And you need to prove you can make it. And that matters. It does matter. It just, you know, I don't care what people's dreams are. Again, this is not personal. This is this is how I feel about every pinball company. I don't care about anything other than the game you make. All right. All right. So let's talk about some of the stuff that could be cool. Let's start with the back box area. I think it has like a 24 inch wraparound backlit 
artwork pops with all these bright colors. And I will say, I do like the back box area of this game. I like the wide screen that's underneath it. I know people are like debating whether or not the gap looks good and people are comparing it to fish tanks and this and that. And I think you guys are crazy. I, th I do think if you see this thing in person, I do think it's going to look really freaking cool. But here's the thing that we didn't get to see. We didn't get to see the nicest version of it. And if you read the This Week in Pinball story, the nicest version, which will be the top of the line trim, is really the one that's going to have like lighted panels. And it's going to be super cool. And apparently, like, I guess that wasn't available. And it, they said it arrives next week. How are these parts not ready to show, you know, these ambassadors and the rest of the world? Before everyone marched through the door, all three trim levels of Raza should have been completed, completed to production quality standards, and nobody should have been allowed to see what you guys were working on to those three were done. And, and I think that's important point is we did not set the date. We did not invite the people over. And, you know, this reveal was going to go off unless these media people like told you not to. So I, I just still I just I don't know why this stuff wasn't ready on time. OK, but I think it looks cool. Like I do. Like I'm not going to lie. Like I like the look of this machine. I think it fits the retro theme of the game itself. I'm not sure if every Deep Root game is going to look this way that they, they did not say that the glass that lifts up with the hinges. I'm on the fence about that. I really, you know, I don't really have many issues with lifting the glass on my game. Uh, it doesn't come off that often, you know, but I could see why people like this. But I, I, I the one thing I, I just, for a company that's attention to detail and someone pointed this out, you can really see the hinges on the inside of the cabinet for that structure to go up and down. And that's not aesthetically pleasing. So not sure if that's going to make it into final production. And this is why it's hard, right? This is why it's hard for me to give feedback on this stuff is, you know, they, they could just say that, well, that's not final production and this is not the final game. And it's like, well, I thought we were launching today, right? But let's move on. I mean, look, aesthetically, like, I think you guys might debate this stuff, but I do think if you put the this, this game next to the current offerings from the current manufacturers, it will pop. It will look good. And I and I do I do aesthetically like this thing. I do. You can crucify Canada if you want. Now the big thing is the pin bar. This is really where the focus of the story is. And this is really seems to be like the heart and soul of the Deep Root platform. And the pin bar will be something that they feature on all three models of, of the Deep Root games, right? And so I want to read for you how they talk about the pin bar and this is italicized so i think this is coming from deep root themselves as, as like i don't i think there was a q a that jeff did with robert and i think this is from that but i'm not sure so it's in quotes and it says the pin bar is the most powerful revolutionary innovation ever to be added to a pinball machine it takes the modern touch display used countless times a day on our smartphones, tablets, laptops, and kiosks and creates a permanent blank canvas for us to expand pinball with infinite possibilities. Infinite. The one thing I, again, if I could give Robert advice, and no one ever takes my advice on this show, and we're going to talk about my advice not to launch games before they're ready, the advice not to give multiple titles out before they're ready, never. And, I, and I'm going to tell you who told me this advice. This advice was given to me by a very good friend of mine. His name's Joe. I'm not going to give you his last name. And Joe was the editor-in-chief at Popular Science. And Joe was an associate deputy editor at Wired Magazine. He's one of the greatest journalists out there. 
And Joe gave me some advice once on a press release I wrote very early on in my career. I've known Joe for like 17 years. He's, you know, he said to me, Chris, look, never, ever, when you're talking on behalf of a company, never use adjectives like innovative or remarkable or first time ever. I will be the one and the consumers will be the one to tell you if it's innovative or not. When you have to drop all this hyperbole into your descriptions, people will know it's innovative if it is innovative. You don't have to tell them that. And as I read all of this stuff, you, you see it everywhere. It's like they're telling us how amazing this stuff is. If it is that amazing, we will come to that conclusion. And, and, that, and that, that's all I'm saying. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not saying this stuff isn't or is. It's the way they describe it is they're already taking credit for this stuff as being this like game-changing stuff before they've even executed it, before they've even proven it could work, right? So the quote then goes on to say, it opens doors to nearly endless new ways to interact with your pinball machine. I just want to deconstruct this kind of phrases. It opens the door to endlessly new ways to interact with your pinball machine. Now, let me ask you guys a question out there. When you walk up to your pinball machine, do you want endless new ways to interact with it? Or do you just want to play pinball? Like, this is the part I don't get. Like, this kind of language, endlessly new possibilities. I never felt like when I play a great pinball machine that it's coming up short. And there's other possibilities that this thing could provide me in my life other than a great pinball experience. It then goes on to say, we want to challenge the last few decades of pinball by changing from a habit of walking up to a deep root machine and saying, where is the start button to walking up to any non deep root machine and saying, where's the pin bar? Okay. Now this is ambitious. This is very ambitious. And you know who, who this reminds me of when you talk like this? So James Dyson used to tell me, I used to work with James Dyson, billionaire, billionaire, actually reinvented the vacuum cleaner, something that had been stagnant for like a, almost 100 years. He reinvented the vacuum cleaner. I mean, a lot more people buy vacuum cleaners than pinball machines. And he used to say like, Chris, when your brand or your innovation becomes the verb, you have taken over. The category and people in the UK said, I'm going to go Hoover. Hoover's the brand. It's like someone give me a Kleenex. It's a tissue. But when you ask for a Kleenex, that's when you know you've dominated when you're going to go Hoover. So instead of asking for the start button, where's the pin bar? I mean, this, this is ambition at its highest level to actually change consumer behavior and to change the culture within this category. It then goes on to say the pin bars development took years with methodical consideration of thousands of engineering and GUI design concerns to make sure if we were going to tie a touchscreen to a pinball machine that we would get it right the first time. Okay. You know, when I read that, I was like, well, how do you get it right the first time if it took years to develop? And the whole process of developing something like this, you don't get it right the first time. You don't get it right the second time. I think James Dyson, it took him 3,157 iterations or variations before he got it right. 3,157 different prototypes before he got it right. And it takes years. And, and So you don't ever get it right the first time. 
He then goes on to say, some of the considerations that follow show how much engineering has to go into adding the touchscreen. And he goes through a list of all the different things. And he's right. Like, these are all the things that you have to take into consideration. Now, here's the part. And again, this was the one thing I read in this entire TWIP story that stood out for me the most. And and I'm going to tell you that I think this is sort of like the driving energy of Deep Root Pinball. And I think this is some of the concerns I have. And I, I'm going to be completely honest. And, and again, Robert, I'm going to buy a game the second you make it. And I, you have my word. Canada will buy Raza the second you make me one. Okay. And I do like a lot of what I see. But here's the thing that really concerns me. So it says, so why is the pin bar so revolutionary? Here are a couple of thoughts we have on the immediate impact the pin bar brings to the pinball experience. And then there's a list of things. Now, first and foremost, this stuff needs to be copyrighted and, and grammatically checked. Like there's there's like random capitalizations. There's and again, it's just it just shows me that nobody read over this stuff. Nobody proofread this stuff. And they should be proofreading this stuff. Someone's got to copyright this stuff and make sure that you're not like all over the place grammatically too. But so here's the thing. This is the thing that I just don't get because again, this is like this is what they're saying the pin bar is solving for. And in any industry when you go on a mission to create something, to create consumer demand, you better make sure you're solving a real problem. And here is the bullet that makes me the most concerned, that the pin bar is solving for pinball. Remember, that's what this thing is solving for. The second to last bullet says, not approachable. Current pinball machines are simply not approachable to most people who expect interactive, audio visual experiences just like their smartphone or tablet when i read that i said stop right there put a pin in that comment a pinball machine is absolutely one of the most approachable toys of all time it's a reason why pinball machines have been popular for decades it's a reason why pinball machines are flying off the shelves right now it's a reason why people gravitate towards pinball machines in arcades it's a reason why everyone out there knows what a pinball machine is. And when they walk up to one, they know that these buttons control these flippers. Oh, that's where the money goes. That's where the start button goes. And then I'm playing a game. I'm playing a toy. Now, I get the way they worded this, that it's not approachable to people that are used to smartphone or tablet interactivity, right? Because a pinball machine is absolutely an audio-visual experience. That's all it is. It's a 100%, 1,000, 1 billion percent audio-visual experience, and that's why we love it. Now, I get that it might not be an audio-visual experience for those who are looking for a smartphone or tablet experience, and it's not supposed to be. Why is a pinball machine supposed to provide a smartphone or tablet-like experience? Like, what? The reason I love pinball it's the same reason I hate my smartphone. It's the same reason I hate staring at screens all day long. This is an analog toy. The moment I put my phone down and play pinball, I'm happy again. I don't want my pinball machine try to attract me the way my smartphone or tablet does. Like to me, that makes absolutely, absolutely no sense that you would look at it that way, that we need this to somehow attract people. And then it's like, who are you attracting with that? Kids? 
Kids who don't even want to look up and have a conversation with their parents. You ever see a modern family on vacation, the kids just staring like zombies at their phones? You think those kids are going to like put down their phone and their their ADD game they're playing or, or their TikTok stories that they're trying to promote to play pinball? And who's the target audience? 40 to 60-year-old men who don't need any of that. So that's like, when I read that, I was like, oh man, like market research, like I get it. And look, here's the thing, Robert. And here's the thing, Deep Root guys. Like I don't, I get it. Some of this is just semantics. I don't think you need to word that. Like this thing does have really cool features. It looks, I think it's going to look really cool on a pinball machine. I think it could really change the gameplay experience, but that's all you should be talking about is how this pin bar is going to enhance the game. Enhance the gameplay experience. And I get all the stuff it does with the service menus and this and that, and it does all these neat things. But tell me how this is going to make, this is all that matters. I'm just going to put it like in simple Canada terms. If I was a marketer, the only thing I really want to hear is how this pin bar is going to make playing pinball more fun. That's it. The only innovations I ever want to see put into a pinball game is something that's going to make it more fun. That's it because it already is fun. And there's already all these fun options in pinball. And that's why Stern Pinball is selling thousands of games a year without any of this, without any of these whiz bang things, Stern Pinball is selling thousands of games globally. So they're doing something right. Something's attracting people. And guess what that is? It's not screens. It's not, it's a pinball machine. So you don't need to like, like I like cars and I like pinball. If a pinball machine has a steering wheel on it, is it going to be better because now it's got something that attracts me? No, no. You know, people were sending me like the, the Homer Simpson car when he designs it, like the Homer, like, you know, you can go down this slippery slope of trying to attach too much to something. Now, look, I do think the pin bar is cool. I want to use it. I want to see it working. And apparently, like if you read the This Week in Pinball article, it seems like they were having issues with it. And so again, it just leads to the question, this innovation could be cool, but you gotta get it working. If it's not working now, after all these years, at what point, and, th and this is again, this is just a question, at what point do you maybe ditch it and just make the damn game work? Like maybe that's game two, right? Maybe that's game two. And that is that is like the other overall feeling I had was, is is are they trying to do too much at once? Like, why not just make a working Raza in, in your neat new cabinet with the neat back box and the widescreen? Like, that's enough. Like, start there. Let's say on game one, we're going to introduce the new cabinet to the world that has the new back box and the new widescreen. We're going to start there. And if we can do that, we can get this many out the door. It's going to cost this much. And then we'll move on to game two. In game two, we're going to introduce our new pin bar. And that's going to blow people away, right? Why not just slowly take baby steps and, and learn? You have to do that. Like We need to learn how to make the game. If we can make the game, but they're trying to make not just pinball for the first time. Remember, they're trying to make just making pinball for the first time is hard enough. To make pinball with the pin bar is even harder. To make it with the new like glass system, even harder. To make it with the like leveling system, even harder, right? Every new thing makes making pinball even harder before you've even proven you can make one pinball machine. That is where I'm at right now is just, is this too much at once? And if it is, and if some of this stuff just isn't working right now, will Deep Root look at it and say, what can we just like, what can we leave off? 
just to get this thing out the door. Because it says at the end of this, the tour group saw some of the features of the pin bar, but due to technical issues that Raza was experiencing, the pin bar interaction was glitchy. Steve Bowden showed many screenshots of planned features and displays, and it looks like this could be an incredible new feature. Again, what they're saying right there is what I've been saying. It could be cool. It could be cool. But can you make it work? Can you make it work? And here's the thing. I'm going to remind them again. You make it work, guys. I'm buying the machine. I think that's the fairest interaction that we can have as a, as a pinball buyer and, and you're a pinball company. And I think it's the fairest thing that Canada's Pinball Podcast can do. So don't say Canada's not on board to support your company. Don't ever say that. Now we're at the play field section. I don't, I don't get this at all. This is the part I just like. I don't get it. Three years ago, they talked about the sledgehammer. The hammer test, the dimple free. I just want to read you what it says here. The tour group observed the demonstrations with the 16 ounce hammer test and the huge 750 grand pinball drop, along with those of the regular pinball, definitely left dents or craters on the normal clear coat and did not leave dents or craters on the pin armor. However, and this is a big however, however, the VIP group had concerns regarding the quality and look of the pin armor coating as it currently is not smooth but more like an orange peel. Robert mentioned that this was an early version of pin armor. When you run your hand over the playfield, it does not feel smooth like glass. During brief gameplay later in the evening on a playfield with pin armor, the ball did seem to roll normally and act as it would on a normal playfield. There was no noticeable unusual changes in ball activity on pin armor. Okay, so my only takeaway there is how is this not the final version of it. How, how is this still just in prototype form? For three years, we've heard about this technology that's going to remove dimples. We saw the Facebook post in which he's asking for people to submit quotes, to shame people who have been saying dimples are normal. And so, yeah, like if you've solved the dimple problem by putting orange peel onto a play field, you haven't solved it because that's not a solve. People don't want that. They don't want to run their hand over a rough course play field. So is that one step forward, two step back? So again, why isn't it the final version? Like we're, again, this was the reveal. Like you can't have these media come in and say, yeah, 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 yeah. But this, yeah, but we're not done yet. Well, if you're not done yet, how are you ordering parts? And if you're not done yet, how are you like pencils down with design on Raza? And, and how is manufacturing figuring out how to build this thing? If you're not done yet, there's then a section on the audio of the game, the electrical of the game, and other deep root platforms. Now, this is the, I'm not gonna go through all this, but the part that just, again, I, I was like, wait a minute. No, so you've designed the, the back box different, the lockdown bar, and you've also designed, before you finish the game, before you finish the game, you also designed a transporter for it. You've designed a storage thing to put the game in to safely have deep root pins delivered, and you're calling it the pin pod. Now, not only did I look at the pin pod and say, well, here's my way to get into deep root. I'm going to Trojan horse my way in and put myself inside one of these boxes. And that's how I'm going to sneak in. But I want to read this. It says, our pin pod is the perfect storage and moving protective cocoon for your prize deep root pinball machine. It is made of strong wood ply, water resistant, collapsible, truckable, and forkable. Its metal latches provide vertical and horizontal strength to falls, tips, and items resting on top. Okay, it's trademarked, the pin pod. Um, the other more common phrase for the pin pod that you might you might have heard of in your life is just called a wooden box. So they, they've designed a wooden box that keeps your pin safe. 
which is fine and all. But again, like until you finish the game, why are you now? You it's like you're you've gone through every single element and you're trying. Why? And then what do you do with this pin pod once it arrives? Is it gonna fit through your door? Will it fit in your car? It's big. I know it's collapsible, but like then what do you do with it? There's a reason why companies use cardboard. It's because you can throw it away and it's cheap. That's the other thing is how much does all this cost? How much does this cost? How much does the lock bar, you know, the pin bar cost? How much is all this stuff? This all adds costs that you, the consumer, have to pay for. Like, this is not free. And do you need this? Like, is this necessary? Does the box your game come in make you buy a game? Does it, do you even care about it? It's like, it's a nice to have, but it just, this to me reminds me of J-pop. Like, he, he would like... He would focus on these elements that didn't matter because he wouldn't finish the game and he would get distracted and go over there. It's like, hey, John's not finishing Raza again, guys. He's over there on the pin pod again. Like, can't, John, get back here and finish your damn game. It's been it's been nine years, John. Finish this damn thing. No, whoa, whoa, whoa. We need to work on the box because it, like when it arrives, like it, it just it just it starts to feel like there's so many different projects going on at once. And again, just finish a game and I'll buy it. They go into the ecosystem and software. They go into some online features and, and all the different things that the platform can do. Look, and some of this stuff is really cool. Some of the stuff is stuff we've all wanted. Leaderboards, internet connectivity. But we need to see it. Like, we need to see how it all ties together. So this is where I think it should have ended. You know, they go into the, their three-model system. And then, you know, I thought that I actually, like, I liked learning about all this. I liked reading about all this. I, I would not have put all of this in writing in terms of how they describe all this stuff. I think you need to be a little bit more humble and not call your own stuff so amazing. And I think that's just a lesson they'll learn in their communications department. But it's fine. Like, I learned a lot. I thought this is what should have gone up yesterday. This would have got in front of everything. Robert did not have to like pull the whole plug. He could have just been like, here's the reveal of what we're working on. Obviously, like we're, it's not a launch reveal. And I, I, you know, and we got a lot of good feedback and they could have like spun it a little differently and that's okay. But that's where I would have ended all of this. And then there's this section at the end, which as the marketer and me, I just don't understand. What what have we learned over the years, right? You listen to this show. What do we what have we learned? You really have to create demand at launch to sell pinball machines. You have to create somewhat of like an urgency to buy, and that is why every major pinball company on the planet who has marketing departments and marketing professionals, every single pinball company on the planet, especially the most successful pinball company in the history of pinball right now, right? That is why. They do not tell you what their next title is. They only tell you what the current title is now that you can buy or the ones that are on the line as well. The reason why they do that is so simple. They don't want you to wait. They want you to buy Avengers now. If you knew that Jaws was coming out, would you buy Avengers? If you knew that Stern was working on like Back to the Future, would you buy Avengers? No. They want all of your focus to be on the game that they have available today. Okay? And that's how pinball sales work, and it effectively works that way. I have never seen a company just release a laundry list of what titles they're working on. And this is where the confusion comes in. I don't know how to process this. I don't know what the strategy of this was. 
part of me feels like this is a little bit of like a throw your arms up in the air, just like whatever, you know, whatever, whatever. Like, uh, you know, like you're mad, like just here, here's everything. I don't care. Like there's a little bit of that. Like it just feels like a little bit of a, of a give up moment of just like sharing everything. And so, cause now it's like, I've just learned all about your platform and I'm just beginning to process this. And look, I do think that the pinball community really started to like, at least, at least look at this stuff with a little bit of balance, but then you go here and then we land here, which is like, now I need to process, this is the library of games that DeepRoot is working on. And clearly, if it took them this long to get to game one, it's gonna take a while to get all these games out. Like everyone is like, look, everyone agrees, this is not gonna turn into like, we're gonna ship more games in one year than everybody. Like no one would, nobody, nobody is saying that now. Nobody would believe that now. But if this is what they've been talking about, they are now sharing all of it in terms of like what you can expect. And they're gonna get feedback, they're gonna get excitement, and they're gonna get criticisms based upon these themes. And we know that next to manufacturing, what has been the number one thing that drives pinball sales? Theme. This is marketing. Like it's like, the sh it's like everything I've been saying all these years, it's like just throw it out the window. So they threw out the window keeping your IP secret and they throw out the window um, theme. You know, we've said it, like if you don't have a hot theme, how are you gonna drum up interest? And so to share all these original IPs is, is a huge gamble on many levels. And I, again, I just don't know the strategy behind this. And I don't even want to go into all them. I don't, I don't want, I don't want to like fire and brimstone. Food truck, Merlin's Arcade, The Who. Well, at least The Who is like, okay, so you got one licensed theme. Gladiator, Yukon Yeti, Machine Age, Title TBD, uh, yeah, <laughs> Magic Girl. And then the most confusing of all, the most confusing of all, is you've got, this is like this, hey, you guys. So they got Goonies. They threw the famous Goonies phrase into this, and which is great. Like, and then why? Why would you just like drop your big theme like this on a PowerPoint slide with no, no game, no date, no ramp up, no hype, no excitement? You just put three words on a slide and say 2021? That's it? That's what you do after you acquired this highly valuable, exciting theme that a lot of pinball people would love? And the questions of like, well, if you have Goonies, why don't you, why don't you just make it first? What are we doing over here with Raza? Le come out of the gate with a strong licensed theme. Get your, show your platform and how it works on, 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 on a theme that has millions of fans, that has a following that has nostalgia. Like right now we are living in the ultimate nostalgia period. Like nostalgia sells, pinball sells. We've seen it work and you've got it. You've got it right here, Team Deep Root. You've got it right here. Like where, where is this game in the development cycle? How did Barry O get permission to do food truck over Goonies or The Who? Yukon Yeti, Dennis Norman's like sequel to, to Whitewater. I can't really respond to original IPs that are just one, one slide, you know? And like, I don't know if it's, I don't know if some of this stuff is supposed to be like comical or joking. Like, like for example, on the food truck description for features, it says some cool toys and mechs, some cool toys and mechs. Like that just, is it trying to be campy? I think so. But this is my point. This is my point is like, I just feel like they just dropped it all and I don't think they should have and I think a lot of people have been working on this for years and 
And and I think that they if they still just make it, people will come. You know, and, and will they flock to these titles? I don't know how you compete. How do you compete Guns N' Roses, Toy Story, or Food Truck? Avengers, Batman, Ghostbusters, or Merlin's Arcade? So then that leads me to believe to compete with these original IPs, like the games have to be like really spectacular. And I don't, I haven't seen them yet. Like on a theme level, we all know these are not winners on a theme level. There's absolutely no audience for this right now. So then the games themselves have to be really like above and beyond. And and I haven't seen it. It's, it's hard. It's like stepping up to the plate with two strikes already. And you're going to need to hit a home run. And, and that's, that's really difficult in pinball. Knowing that, knowing that like, Jersey Jack and Stern and and all these other companies, they're not going to stop. Like, they're not distracted by any of this. Like, Jersey Jack's about to drop Guns N' Roses on the world, and you're going to be able to buy it. Like, their reveal is actually going to be a reveal in which there's going to be games on the line. I I can't even imagine, you know, Gary Stern and George Gomez and, and Jody Dankberg reading this stuff. You just, like, made fun of Jody, a guy who licenses some of the biggest properties in the world. And what you got, what you're coming to war with is Food Truck or, or like, Gladiator or Fire and Brimstone. I don't get it. And all the, and again, like, at the end of the day, it's like, at the end of the day, it's like, there's nobody to blame. And there's no finger pointing at people outside of Deep Root. And there shouldn't be concern about people outside of Deep Root giving their opinions about Deep Root. We are allowed to share our feelings and thoughts about these companies. And it's and, and here's the thing. I just want to end on this note. We all are in this because we love pinball. I know you love pinball, Robert. I know that John Papaduke loves pinball. All these people love pinball. It's a toy that's meant to bring us happiness. And we come here to enjoy this stuff. And ultimately, like we will measure a game by its own merits. But you have to make the game for us to measure it by those merits. And I think that's completely fair. And I could be a lot more harsh on a lot of this. And you know I can. You know I can. But I'm willing to say this. Like, I want to challenge Deep Root just to make me a game that I can buy and enjoy and have fun and then move on to game two and just stop with all the big promises and stop and stop telling us how great everything is and show us how great everything is. Stop using words and start using actions. And it's, that's it. That's all this damn hobby comes down to. And I want to talk about Deep Root. I want to talk about Stern. I want to talk about Jersey Jack. I want to talk about all these companies based on the games they make, not the words they say, okay? And that's why we all love pinball because it's a physical analog thing. It's it's not a, a features list on a press release, okay? It's a toy that I can physically touch and interact with, that I go to on weekends to have a quantum of solace in a world in which so much depressing stuff has happened this year. This is our escape. And I never want this damn hobby to be the place where people are stressed out. And I've talked to people who have been around this thing lately and the stories, and people shouldn't feel stressed to give their feedback on pinball, to visit a pinball company should be a glorious day. It shouldn't be a day in which like these people are now pressured to solve your problems or a company's problems. That's not what we're here to do. We're here to share our feelings about what these companies make and nothing else, nothing else. We all have families. We all have personal lives. We all have professional careers outside of this, but we want to buy your products. We want to buy your products, Deep Root. We want to buy your products, Stern. We want to buy your products, Jersey Jack Pinball. And I don't know if I've ever done another podcast that I feel like I'm just I'm just speaking right from the heart. And I mean it. I mean it. And I'm not doing it for a fourth twippy later. Later. <laughs>